Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 22, and we're going to finish up the chapter today. Um, verses 63 to 71, but we're all, I'm going to add just a few more in there from chapter 22 as we look at this. And I, I titled the message today, Submission. And uh, I realize that that means I'm starting at a deficit with you. And because when we hear the word submission, there's not a whole lot of good things that we attach to it. Uh, it seems like all we ever hear about is the, the ugly side of, of submission. Like the story that uh, CNN ran about a man in Berlin, Germany, who was trying to get peace in his home, so he came up with a new way to do that. He began to use an air raid siren on top of his house. And he did that so that he could stun his wife into submission, he says. And so he says, you know, I could not get a word in edgewise with her, told police. Uh, He said, you know, and when I turn that siren on, I run it for two or three minutes, it always works. There's always quiet when I turn it back off. So the police came because the neighbors complained and they confiscated his 220 volt air raid siren that he was blasting through the neighborhood to quiet his wife down. His wife of 32 years, she said this of him, "Uh, my husband is a stubborn mule and sometimes I have to get loud. So, you know, those are the kind of stories that we usually get when it comes to submission, you know. Not pretty things. Uh, Husbands demanding it from their wives. Um, Parents abusing their kids into it. Uh, Governments forcing it on their citizens. And police beating it out of their suspects. There's an ugly side of submission. It's dark and it's violent. And we don't like to look at it. But there's another side. There's another side. Jesus has been arrested and he's being led away from the Garden of Gethsemane. And so from here until the end of his life, he is going to show us what submission looks like. And when we look at him submitting, him giving his life, it's a beautiful thing and it's life giving for us. So we're going to read these verses today. We'll start in verse 39, 39 to 42, and then I'll jump to 63. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In verse 63, now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? 
And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they, so they all said, are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. And then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a, uh, what a special time of year that we are in. And for us, it's special looking into these verses of the road that your son walked to Calvary, to a cross, to giving his life. And Lord, it just, we just marvel at it when we look at it. it, it we know the story and we pray, Lord, as we, as we look at it again, that it might fall afresh on us today, on, on our hearts, and that we might see how to bring his story to life in our life. I do pray, Lord, for your assistance today, that your Holy Spirit would be active among us, that he'd speak to hearts through this word, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I needed to start in the garden because that's where the submission started, back in the garden. And if we're going to stay on the beautiful side of submission this morning, we've got to realize that it always starts with a decision, uh, the decision of submission. So all the questioning that Jesus undergoes, all the beating, all the mocking, all the bruising, All of that would not have been possible had he not made a decision to submit his life to his heavenly father in the garden. And it's kind of interesting to think about um, how much detail Jesus knew, you know, beforehand. Um, How much did he know about the suffering that he was going to endure um, you know, he spoke about it before. He knew it was coming. In Luke 18:32, he said, "The Son of Man would be mocked, insulted, spit on, and killed." So he knew it was coming, and he knew it was going to be ugly. His first request in the garden was for that cup of suffering to be removed from him. God, if there could be another way, you know, I'd like that. Let there be another way. But then he made his decision. Nevertheless. Not my will, but yours be done. The submission decision. Every step he took after that prayer was due to that decision. To trust his heavenly father that his plans were good and right and the best. Even if it was going to get tough. Now we can see that it's no easy decision as you keep reading there. Luke goes into the agony of Jesus' decision, his Sweating from his brow, turning into drops of blood. So it was difficult for him. Seeing that cup, that cup of wrath and judgment and the suffering, he saw all that and he was struggling. Never before or since has there been a more difficult submission decision than this one. Never before or since. But before Jesus could die on the cross... 
He had to die in the garden. Now, that's the life, brother and sister, that we are called to live. Bring his story to life in our life as one of his followers. Now, before this moment, Jesus' entire ministry, his entire life was about doing his Father's will. He said in John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So his whole ministry was about doing his Father's will. And so that tells us that the submission decision is not going to be a one-and-done kind of, kind of decision. You know, I make it once, and then, you know, I just go live, live my life, and, and that's how it goes. No, it, it happens a lot of times. It happens even daily that we submit to our Heavenly Father. And not all of those decisions are going to be as equally hard, but they will all require us to trust. Trust who our God is. Trust that He's good. Trust that His way is the best way, even if it's not going our way. Okay? We need to trust. It is, um, it is just like the Karate Kid. You know, the 1984 version of this classic movie. And, you know, because it's my birthday, I, you know, decided... That I can't really believe that it took me 19 years of preaching to get to the Karate Kid. But here we are. Here we are. So Daniel LaRusso is the main character. And he's moving across the country from New Jersey to California. And he's not happy about it. If you remember, if you've seen the movie. Um, he gets to his new home in California. And things go from bad to worse for him. He goes to school. And there's these bullies there. And they start picking on him. And they start beating, beating him up on a regular basis using karate. And so the maintenance man at his apartment complex is named Mr. Miyagi. And they strike up a friendship as this, is, as this is going on. And eventually Daniel finds out that Miyagi knows some karate. And so he asks him, hey, would you teach me? And at first Miyagi's response was, uh, better that uh, Miyagi no get involved. That's pretty close. But then he has second thoughts about it. And he invites Daniel into a new relationship. One where he is the teacher and Daniel is the student. And so I wanted to show you Daniel's submission decision. So here it is. <laughs> so you can see it was a hard decision for him, you know, to make and, and to keep. Uh, and that's where the training started. Yeah, that was the first lesson. You know, wax on, wax off, wash and wax, showing him the precise motions. And the next day he came back and he got another lesson, which was paint the fence. You know, and again, precise motion, showing him, paint all the fence. So that took him a long time, to, you know, days to finish. Uh, the next time he showed up at Miyagi's house, he was in the backyard, and Miyagi's kneeling down on his decks, and he's got these sanders there. And so he uh, gives them to Daniel, and he says, uh, now I want you to sand all the floor using these motions. Use the sanders. And he does it. But th by this time, Daniel's starting to question you know, he's starting to go, am I ever going to learn karate? And so the straw that broke the camel's back was Daniel shows up at Miyagi's house one morning and there's uh, three or four cans of paint stacked there with a brush and a drop cloth and a note that says, gone fishing, paint the house side to side. So Daniel's mad. He does the work. Miyagi comes home at the end of the day. He's inspecting. He goes, oh, you missed a spot. 
So Daniel just kind of explodes on him and has an angry word with him. And he says, look, I ask you to teach me karate and all I'm doing is, you know, your unwanted chores. So I'm out of here. And so Miyagi stops him, brings him back and explains to him what he's doing. And this is what happens. And the rest is history. Beautiful stuff. So Daniel submits to Miyagi's knowledge of karate and his training methods, even when it it, uh, doesn't seem to be going his way. And so when that starts to happen, he wants to give up. He wants to bail. So we see the strength of his submission decision wasn't very strong. Now you compare that to Jesus' decision in the garden. You know, things are about to not go his way. And his decision to trust his heavenly father and go through that suffering um, to his enemies. I mean, it just boggles the mind. You know, I think we are a whole lot more like Daniel than we are Jesus in our submission decisions. When the going gets tough, what do we do? When we don't understand what God is doing, we, do, we don't get his plans, when, when life is hard, when it's difficult, when our bodies are racked with pain, when we aren't getting better, when our children aren't following the Lord, when whatever, 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 what do we do? Drop our head. We look down. We start questioning. Are you good? Are you there? Are you working? The strength of our submission decision is not found in ourselves. It's found in God. Miyagi kept saying to him there at the end, look I, always look I. And that's that's pretty good advice for the believer who's feeling their decision of submission weaken and the questions start bubbling up. And we keep our eyes on God. You know, when Jesus made this submission decision in the garden, an angel came and attended him, and it says that he strengthened him. You know who God has sent us to strengthen us? The Holy Spirit. He lives inside of every believer. And it's by his Strength that we will be faithful. You gotta keep your eyes on God to live out a submission decision, no matter the consequences to yourself. So, how's that going? How's it going? How's the strength of your decision today? If you find it kind of wavering and weakening, you think, have I taken my eyes off God? Am I always looking at him? Have I dropped my eyes? Has your your head bowed because life is just painful and hard? You know, God is called the lifter of my head in the Bible. Has your faith weakened because God is delaying? Always look I. Always look I. Get your eyes back on God. Psalm 25, verses 1 to 5. Oh Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you. My God, do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. 
Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. All day long, we keep our eyes on God. We keep looking to Him. And He'll keep us on the path. He will keep helping us make the submission decision. Now John, the book of John, tells us in uh, his gospel there that um, Jesus is taken from the garden to the house of the former high priest, Annas. And then after that he goes to Caiaphas' house, the current high priest. And those two are related uh, Caiaphas is Annas' son-in-law. And what they're doing there is they're having pre-trial interrogations. And they are basically predetermining the verdict for the trial that Jesus is going to go through. These are the head guys. They're the ones in charge. So when Jesus left the garden, that's when the work of submission began. Once the high priests are done with him, Jesus is led away. And the temple guards have him in trial, have him, uh, you know, in hold, he's, they're holding him. And there he is all night waiting for the, the trial in the morning with the Sanhedrin. And so the rest of the night, Jesus shows us how difficult the work of submission can be. And this is where we see the strength of his submission decision. Um, he endures the worst kind of beating. As these temple guards, they're holding him, they're, they're punching him and, and beating him. And, you know, Luke is the only gospel that tells us about Jesus' first night in captivity. Uh, the, the crown of thorns and the, and the robe that, he gets, that, that they put on him, that's coming at the hands of the Romans later. This he's held by his Jewish brothers. These are his own people. No doubt, people who had heard him preach... No doubt, people who had seen miracles. I mean, he was in the temple every day, that whole week. So these, these guys knew who he was. What possessed them to treat him this way? What possesses a bully to bully? They blindfolded him and hit him. Come on, prophet, prophesy. Tell us who hit you. I mean, put yourself there in Jesus' place, blindfolded, punches coming from every side, and challenges. But he doesn't do anything. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't try to defend himself. He just stands there and does the work of submission. Now, not all submission is as ugly as this. And in fact, if we see it from Jesus' point of view, that changes it from being ugly to being something that's beautiful. I mean, think about this. How easy would it have been for Jesus to stop the beating? I mean, he don't need no karate training. He could stop it. How easy would it have been for him uh, to say to them, who hit me? Benjamin hit me. What would that have done to them guards? He could have stopped it. He could have walked away at any time. Something else is driving his submission. And it was love. Love is driving it. Uh, he loves his heavenly father. 
And he knows that this is the plan. This is, this is the, the road he was sent to walk. To suffer. And all of this is part of it. Isaiah 53, 3-7 explains, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. That he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Love is driving the work of submission. A love for God and a love for us. Jesus knows that to open the way for people to come back to God, for them to have a relationship with Him, He knows that our sin has to be paid for. So we can be reconciled. And so the suffering is is all part of that payment. So every gut punch that Jesus took was for us. Every word making fun of him that he heard was so that we could hear, I love you. When we see the love behind the work that's going on here, it stops being ugly and it starts being beautiful. Now, once we've made our submission decision uh, to God's will and His way in our life, I, there's, the work is on the way. It's coming. There'll be an opportunity to submit your life to someone else, to show your love for God and for them by submitting to them. Now, that may not be easy for you to do. This person might be a very difficult person in your life. Maybe there's circumstances that you're submitting to, and it's uh, just unbearable to think about it. But when you give yourself to the work and it's motivated by love, what ends up happening is people will see beauty. They will. Happens in marriage. You know, the marriage relationship, the scriptures uh, command mutual submission from husband and wife. Ephesians 5, 21 to 25. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of, of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his, of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. So, you know, that's not just instruction to the wife. You know, God said, submit to the wife. Uh, he didn't want to say that uh, to to the man. He didn't want to say, hey, husband, submit to your wife. So he said something different. He said, give up your life for your wife. Now, that's something, you know, let's do. You know, God knows how to speak to us. But here's the thing. You know, most people disagree with this scripture. Most people. Back in 1999, a Gallup poll was taken and asked, do you agree or disagree with this statement? A wife should submit graciously to the servant leadership of her husband. 
1999, 69% of the people disagreed with that statement. And when you uh, told them that, hey, these words actually come out of the Bible, boy, the disagreement dropped to a whole 60%. You want to have a beautiful marriage? Follow these instructions. You say, well, Pastor Gray, you don't know my wife. You don't know my husband. And you're right. I don't know. But I do know your God. And I know he's given us a blueprint for how he wants our marriages to go. And when we do it, I promise you, it will lead to something beautiful. It's, it's a decision. It takes a decision. And then it takes work. And it takes lots of love mixed in there for your whole life. You don't wait for your spouse to become worthy to love them or respect them. That's not the way God's love works. Which one of us deserved his love and his respect? No, no, no. We love in spite of that. We demonstrate gospel love to somebody who doesn't deserve it. You know, submission doesn't empty you of your value. It doesn't rob you of your life. In fact, it's the exact opposite. You're just giving preference to your spouse. And when this submission in marriage is mutual... You may have trouble figuring out where to go for dinner. But your relationship will shine like stars in this crooked generation. It'll be beautiful. The work of submission also happens at work. We spend a lot of times, a lot of time at work, don't we? We, we invest a lot of our life at work. And so no doubt there will be opportunities there that God will provide you to submit to other people, to submit to your boss, to submit to your co-workers, to even submit to people that are under you. Author and educator Howard Hendricks, he was on an airplane and it was delayed for takeoff. So they were sitting on the runway and it, and it was getting long and it was hot in there. And so the passengers began to get irritable. And the only person they could take it out on was the flight attendants. And so they were kind of getting belligerent with them. And after a while, the, pl- the plane finally took off. And as that was going on, Howard noticed there was one flight attendant who was just being so gracious to the people. I mean, she had such poise. And she was just like, you know, it, it's going to be all right. Let me do, what can I do for you? And, and so after they took off, Howard brought this lady. He got her attention. He said, come here. And he said, listen, I noticed how gracious you were with all those irritable people. And I just wanted to ask you if I could write a letter of commendation to the airline for you. And she said, sir, I don't work for the airline. I work for Jesus Christ. And this morning before I left my house, me and my husband prayed that I could be a good representative of him to the people that were on these flights. And so instead of writing a letter, Howard prayed for her. Beautiful. A beautiful witness. That's the work of submission. Oftentimes hard. But it will be beautiful. Where are you carrying on this work in your life? Where is it happening? Where do you need to carry it on? Where are you fighting it? 
Make your submission decision. Get your eyes on God and trust Him to do the work. Listen, your family will thank you. Your employer will thank you. Your classmates, your neighborhood, they will thank you. This is His story. We want to bring it to life in our life. Now, morning comes. And the Sanhedrin assembles to hear Jesus' case. And in this brief description uh, we have of it, we'll find the hope of submission. So the questions are very direct. Tell us, are you the Christ? And so what they're asking is, are you the Messiah? Now if he says, yes, then that would mean that he's claiming royalty. And that would put him at odds with Herod and with the Romans. Um, but really, they're not interested in his answer. They don't care if he's the Messiah. They, they just want him to say something that will incriminate him, that, he can get, that they can get him in trouble with. And so Jesus says back, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And in fact, if I asked you, you wouldn't tell me. But you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power of God. Now, Jesus, when he uses that, that was his favorite title of himself, Son of Man. He used that very often. And it was rooted back in the Old Testament in Daniel Uh, In in Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel has that vision, and he sees one like the Son of Man coming. And in that vision, the Son of Man is given dominion over all the nations. So it's it's seeing God there, seeing Jesus come back. And so when Jesus uses the title, the Son of Man, he is not claiming royalty. He is claiming divinity. And that's what they understood. Because they ask him next question, so you're the son of God then? They're kind of thinking, ah, now we, now we got him. You know, he's obviously not the son of God. So he's going to blaspheme himself right here. Jesus doesn't deny it, but he doesn't disagree with it. He just says, you've said it. And they're like, we got him. Close the book. So what we should pay attention to in these verses here are the three titles that are brought up of Jesus. The Christ, the Son of Man, and the Son of God. All three of them are telling us that this isn't just a mere human going through this suffering. This is God Himself, which makes this bruising and this injustice all the more greater. There has never been a greater injustice done, not a more shocking beating ever in the history of the world than what Jesus is enduring. How did he do it? How did he get through it? Hope. Hope. His answer reveals it. He said, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power of God. So from now on, that's what you're going to see. For Jesus, it's a sure thing. This is not if. But when? And he's looking ahead at that. So he looked ahead at what he was hoping for, what he was you know, going to happen to him, and that helped him get through the present moment. And so when the work of submission gets hard and be, begins to weaken our submission decision, we want to look ahead to what happens if we keep going, as we persevere. Hebrews 12, 1-2 helps us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. 
Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. See, Jesus has got hope on the brain while he's going through this. He's got hope on the brain. He's thinking about the winner's circle. He's thinking about the victory crown. He's hearing in his ears, not the mocking, but well done, good and faithful servant. He's standing there through the beating. But he's thinking about sitting. And sitting there at God's right hand. Why is he sitting? Because the work of submission is done. Everything is accomplished. On the cross, he said, it is finished. He will have completed his mission. He will have opened the way back to God for people to come to him. That's what he was looking forward to, that joy. What do we have to look forward to? As believers, living this life for Jesus. After all this work is done, what do we have to look forward to? We had Jesus told this parable um, of uh, talents. And a master who was going away, he gave some talents to his servants and he told them, you know, put it to work. One of them was afraid and he didn't do it and got in trouble. But two of them, they doubled the talent. And when the master came back, he said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Here is more to take care of. Enter into your master's joy. That's what is waiting for faithful servants of God. For people who have made a submission decision to God's will and we're out of love, bringing that decision to life in our life, doing the work of submission in our marriage, in our family, in our neighborhood, at work, wherever we're doing it, our ears are going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It's going to hear, way to go. You did it. You showed people God's love. We're going to hear that. I can't wait to hear that. What's it going to be like to enter into the Master's joy? I can't imagine. I'm saying, how can I describe what that might be like? I'm not sure that I can. I just like think of the best welcome home you've ever gotten, the best party you've ever been to, the best singing and dancing you've ever done. Oh, it's going to be awesome. 2 Peter 1.11 says you're going to receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of heaven. In other versions, it says a lavish welcome. I mean, there's going to be people cheering. That crowd of witnesses is going to be going, yeah, way to go. Can, Can you wait for that day? Entering into the master's joy. In there, there'll be rest from the work. There'll be peace like we've never known. There'll be comfort for all the difficulties. And there'll be joy overflowing. That's what we have to look forward to. That is the joy set before us. To see our Savior's face. To hear those words. And so that gives us hope. Hope to persevere in this work. Do you have that kind of confidence today? The kind of confidence Jesus had? This is not an if. This is a when. When this happens... You know, like when I come home, when I get home to see Jesus, that homecoming is going to be absolutely incredible. It's going to be awesome. I know it's coming. Do you have confidence that it's coming? Do you know that you're going to be immersed in the Master's joy? Do you have that confidence? If you don't, you need to ask why. 
Why not? And there's several answers to that. I mean, maybe it's that you've never really made a submission decision to God before, you know? You've never really trusted your life to His will and His way. Listen, folks, that's salvation. When you make a submission decision to His way of salvation, you give up your way of salvation. And when you've given up your way of salvation, when you get to the welcome home, you're going to get in, not because you did anything to get in, but because He did everything. And so we have to submit as part of faith. Trust in Christ and what He did for us. We don't often say that when we're talking about the gospel. So to enter into that relationship with God, you've got to let go of what you're trying to do to gain favor with Him. To earn your way there. To earn the well done. And you trust what He's done for you. It's all been done for you. The sins of your life are covered by the, by the cross of Christ. The blood has covered it. You've been made whiter than snow in Him. There's no work left to be done. Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, God the Father Almighty. To come into a relationship with God, you have to let go of your way of salvation and submit to His way of salvation. Don't wait another day. If you don't have confidence that you're, when you see God, it's going to be the best day you've ever lived. Think about why. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's sin. Maybe, you know, like Hebrews said, throw off that sin that so easily entangles. Well, you're, you're not throwing it off. You know, you've submitted part of your life. You know, I, I'll give God this part of my life, but I think I kind of want to hold on to this part of my life. You know, it's kind of like that bookcase we had up here with all those uh, novels of our sin. Well, Shane's sin, but, you know. <laughs> Remember what he did? He took the books. Put him in the backpack. I'm coming, God. And put him in his back. To carry him. And then he stood here and preached with it, which I was really impressed. Why do we live our life like that? You know, when we do it, it weighs us down. It works against everything we're trying to do, everything we read. We've got to submit it all. We've got to let it go. We've got to drop the books. That sin that so easily entangles. It trips us up, makes us fall. We gotta give it to the Lord. So maybe that's why you don't have the confidence. You're thinking, man, I'm not really living. Maybe your lack of confidence is coming because the work of submission is just so hard. You know, and you're thinking, man, I cannot live the rest of my life like this. But brother. Sister, you don't have to live the rest of your life in submission. You just have to live today in it. Just today. And even if your strength fails you today, His strength will not. His mercies are new every morning and He is not stingy at pouring them out. Trust me, I know. I consumed a fair amount of them this morning. He pours it out. He helps us. So we got to keep our eyes on Him. we got to keep loving Him. And we keep looking forward 
to give us a confident hope of that joy that's awaiting us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. Oh, what a blessing it was to me uh, this week. It says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Let's have our worship team up. As we uh, sing our our last song, I want to open the altar up for you this morning. um, To come, you know, if the Lord's spoken to you. Uh, today about about submission in whatever way he spoke I want to invite you to answer him by coming up here to an altar of prayer and do what he do what it is he's leading you to do if it's submitting to him for the first time do that don't wait another day today's a day of salvation there's nothing that you've ever done that cannot be forgiven doesn't matter where you were last night doesn't matter what you were doing right now you you need to be up here And if you don't have that confidence, come on up. Lay your sins up here. And then ask God. Ask Him for the grace, for the mercy to keep going one more day.